you're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello, everyone. Live Manufacturing Ignition podcast, hosted by myself, Terry Mallon, and my co-host, Scott Buchanan. Morning, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Guys, myself and Scott are in the same room for the first time doing the podcast. We thought we'd do a little festive one. Uh, and get the two is in a in a room for for this one. Would you think, Scott? With, with you didn't need to put your Santa <laughs> outfit on though. But uh, yes, in in the the Vesuvius Vesuvius studios today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're looking well. You. Do I know it's a bit strange actually looking at somebody face to face while you're doing this? You know, normally I'm looking at Kevin lying down sleeping and being jealous about it. But uh, but today, yeah, I've got. Uh, the, the wonderful Mr Buchanan's face to stare up for the rest of this show. <laughs> I've got a paper bag for you, Terry. There you go. <laughs> right, so for those tuning in for the first time, both Scott and myself have been working within the manufacturing recruitment sector for over 15 years combined. And the specific roles that we, we've, we've got experience in recruiting are all management and technical recruitment. Over the past couple of years, uh, three years coming up, we've been growing our own business bonfire to be a leader within recruiting within the manufacturing sector across the UK. This week, We'll be looking to cover the latest news for week commencing of December. A hot topic on, are you effectively planning all resources within your manufacturing company? And the recruitment minute will be, how do you make the top 15% an offer they can't refuse? And that follows nicely on from the previous podcast that we've done over the past couple of weeks on engaging with the top 15% of talent. We've got a little surprise for everybody today, Scott. Oof. What's the surprise? I don't know, Terry. What is the surprise? <laughs> You've got that glint in your eye through that paper bag here. We have a guest coming on the show, Scott. No way. Yeah. So but the, the duo becomes a trio. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a set of biscuits. Yeah. So we'll, um, so we'll go through we'll, we'll, more about that later. So cracking on with the latest news. So the manufacturing ignition latest news this week. Commencing the 18th of December 2017. Scott, what's the latest? Thanks, Terry. Well, there's um, end of the year. I think there's there's a lot of reflection um, goes on around um, how business has been over the over the course. And there's a an article I was reading in Industry Week where it's got the the top ten predictions for global manufacturing in 2018. But it actually okay. goes on all the way through to uh, 2021. Okay. So. Prediction number one. Right, so, so just to get this clear then, so this is the top 10 predictions for the global manufacturing sector in 2018. So this is what people are expected, expecting manufacturing companies to embrace within their business in 2018 to take effect over the coming years. Over the coming years, yeah. And the, and the first one that came out back that by 2020, 60% of the top manufacturers will rely on digital platforms that enhance investments in ecosystems and experiences that support as much as 30% of their overall revenue. Interesting. That's good. 30% of their overall revenue is going to be um, relying on digital platforms, is, is my take on what that's saying there. Which is Coming back to what we've said in the last couple of podcasts about um, 
I'm still getting, I'm still, still throwing me out, having to stare at Scott's face, <laughs> having to talk to you. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it just, it just kind of resonates what we were talking about in previous podcasts about automation, robotics. You know, embracing digital, embracing, embracing the cloud within manufacturing companies. Prediction two here is by 2021, 20% of the top manufacturers will depend on a secure backbone of embedded intelligence using IoT, blockchain, and cognitive. <laughs> did I say that right? Cognitive? <laughs> you did very well, to be fair. I know, that's, that's pretty good for me. Try again. Sorry. So using IoT, blockchain, and cognitive well done. to... <laughs> Automate large-scale processes and speed execution times by up to 25%. Yeah, I think um, there it's about, you know, it's tying in with the, the cyber piece again, isn't it? Making sure that, that the IT infrastructure within organisations is there because that's where the world's going. That's where it all needs to kick in. And t- to be fair, I think most companies that I've been speaking to in the last few weeks for business planning, as you know, Terry, it seems to be that, that, that this investment in Industry 4 or some form of modern technology, um, whatever you want to call it, is certainly happening and certainly on and most companies' radar now. So that, that's tying in with that discussion there. So so looking at prediction uh, number four there, Terry. Three. <laughs> you want to do three first? <laughs> I was trying to do it in line with the, the, the years because this would tie it back to 2020 where 75% of all manufacturers will participate in industry clouds. Okay, so that's quite interesting. So what I'm guessing, so is that will be that actually if you're within a, the bakery industry, people are sharing information or you're within the automotive industry, it's sharing information through the cloud through different manufacturers? Yeah, it, it ties in with... Um, I was learning that, that companies like Siemens, for example, um, they've got two basically cloud platforms that you can have in, in, in general terms, whereby you've got the, the, the each bespoke system, which I guess if you're a large, you know, super large business, then you probably go for that. If it's the, or you actually can have your own bakery type platform where mm-hmm. you actually are sharing the information and so on. Um, I think they call it Mindsphere, I think is where, um, Siemens have been spending a lot of time mind, on it's mind yeah. Yeah. So, say that again Scott mind mind, mind theory. <laughs> <laughs> my, with my Deutsch accent coming in there. did you, did you clock it I did clock it I thought interest I thought that was uh, so prediction number four by 2019 so it's all pretty similar it's all a couple of years away you know but actually the, what, what this is saying is about the implementation next year for it to come into effect so by 2019 the need to integrate operational technology and IT as a, as a result of IoT, the Internet of Things, will have led to more than 30% of all IT and OT technical staff having direct project experience in both fields. So that's very interesting when it comes to recruitment, Scott. I think what that's touching on is, how do you interpret that? I'm trying to get my head around it, to be fair, Terry. So what we're saying here is that IT will have to be more than 30% of OT technical staff having direct project experience in both fields, right? Okay, yeah. so it's it's it's, indicate- so it's integrate, integrating the software and managing the software within a manufacturer part of a project management yeah. type role. So yeah, so, yeah. so so at the end of the day, the, you know, the demand for this type of talent and this type of person with IT skills, specifically within IoT and whatever mm-hmm. else, there's going to be a demand for that by the looks of it in the next couple of years. 
Do you know, it's one of the frustrations that I used to have when looking at, um, you know, CV databases and CVs that were coming in was specifically when you're looking for a, you know, a project manager, um, the amount of project managers within IT. Um, and then when you, you maybe add this, the search word engineering, for example, and manufacturing engineering, it still throws up IT individuals rather than actually a project manager from, say, an engineering yeah. manufacturing background with the additional you know, IT capability, which is which is what this is tying in by. So that's what, what's that start again, Terry? So by twenty nineteen, so basically, basically, what it's saying is that the thirty you know, percent, the, the people who are going to be employed in these type of roles have to have exposure to this experience, and you know they can only get that exposure for companies embracing it. So the companies that are forward thinking are going to employ these people, and then they're going to have the challenge retaining these people. Because everybody's going to be looking for that type of person with that skill set. So you've got to bear all that in mind. It's um, you know, it's a wee bit of a uh, ring of fire to put it in, in, in perspective. But if you're going back to previous podcasts on recruitment advice, if you're looking after your staff, uh, they won't be looking to move anywhere. Okay. Uh, you can check out that was podcast one on recruitment advice or podcast two. Anyway. And finally, prediction five, Scott. Yes, by that same year, 2019, which, to be fair, <laughs> we're a few weeks away from 2018, so we're saying in about a year's time or so, 50% of manufacturers will be collaborating directly with customers and consumers regarding new and improved product designs through cloud-based crowdsourcing, virtual reality and product virtualization, realising up to 25% improvement in wow. product success rates. Wow. So Mr. Marks and Spencers will be looking at the latest products to put on their shelves by using virtual reality and product virtualization. You know, it's, it's something that's happened within <laughs> other sectors. I've been learning about, um, I was speaking to a medical device manufacturer last week, and what they're now doing is, and it's happened already in pharma, whereby you used to have the, you know, the, the sales reps going out and, and doing their thing with their consultants and so on. What, what is now happening, Terry, is that the, um, the, there is a team, there is actually a team that will sit in a head office scenario who will reach out on the computer and do the, the technical briefing with the given um, employee, which, which makes a big difference. Terry, it's, it's really interesting talking to you when actually with that paper bag you've got in your head that you're actually um, falling asleep. I'm all, I'm all, and you know, it's it's it's. Um, I was actually just te- texting our guest just to say we're actually we're running five minutes late because we're jibbering on here about uh, certain stuff. And 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 uh, just to kind of reiterate, we did say the top ten predictions for global man- manufacturing. I think we'll just leave it at five, Scott. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, but I think that that last one just to finish off. I think um, it's it's about modernisation, isn't it? So although a business is always done. The same thing for the last 50 years, whatever it is, doesn't necessarily mean to say it has to stay that way. And actually, as we've learned, Terry, actually, just because we did the same, we changed things this time last year, doesn't mean to say we can't change it, you know, um, again, going forward as well. Because um, if if you don't change and evolve, then you're going to be left behind. Or stay in the same place that you're in at the moment, which is never a good thing. All of those five predictions that we went through, I'm sure the rest of the five will be the same. It's all going about actual uh, cloud-based technology, uh, virtual reality, robotics, automation. You know, so if you you know if you listen back to the previous podcast, you'll hear uh, all about the Industry 4.0 automated vehicles and all the bits that me and Scott have been discussing over the past couple of months. And um, moving on to the second piece of news. Yeah. So, well, you know, Terry, that um, 
you know, my 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 pro pro nature related to you know to to the government as well. Teresa was looking well last week. I see you've still got the wee statue in your desk here. Uh, the three D printer works. Aye, not, well, not too well. An- another p- political icon, um, Nicola Sturgeon, has been in the news this week saying that um, there's a 65 million factory for the future will revive Scotland's manufacturing industry. I've seen this, and it's a great thing on the basis of, regardless of where it is in the UK, but it's based in Glasgow, which is obviously where we are from, Scott. But basically, well, from what I, what I could read, um, there's 65 million factory that's going to be built in Glasgow, which is going to be completely... Revolutionary, is that That's another big one. That's another big one. All the big ones I today. Know, I know, so revolutionary, it's um, it's uh, a best-in-class, uh, you know, world manufacturing facility that's going to get built, um, and we're expecting that to be fully operational by 2020. And what it's, what it, the, the whole purpose of it is to play a key role in creating manufacturing innovation throughout Scotland and the UK, and they're expecting this to create a thousand new jobs over the next three to five years in Glasgow. But actually, the big catalyst that will come off the back of that is with all these great ideas, research and development and getting spread across the, U- the UK economy, it's actually expected to create sort of 10,000 jobs in the next 20 years. Yeah, I think this is actually a bit more serious than what, what we've seen before, whereby the, the, the scale and the size of the businesses that they've tried to attract or target has been very small. I think this is geared up. I mean, I'm reading here that that, that, that is supposed, it, well, it should um, enhance new manufacturing techniques, supporting cutting edge research and help to further develop the skills of the workforce. So the manufacturing jobs of the future offer exciting, rewarding careers for the younger generation. So, look, it's it's all good and it's tying in with what we're saying there, actually. And exactly that there, it sounds like, is going to support the topic that we're talking yeah. there for 2019. Exactly. It's one of the best pieces of news that I've seen this year. It's great to see, actually, to what Scottish manufacturing, we've had a tougher time the last couple of years, um, but it's great to see that that um, dedication has been supported through a 65 million brand new facility getting built, it just shows you, you know, the, um, you know, a research and development perspective, you know, we're looking to keep ahead of the trends. Yeah, well, just you saying about the best bit of news, you know, I saw the, about the, the worst bit of news that I've heard in a long time, Terry. Do you know, because of the, the blooming, the sugar tax that's kicking in and actually the legislation um, that's kicking in that um, Scotland's other national drink is going to have to change its recipe. Why? Because of the, the sugar content, so they're actually having to take, I think it's around 50% um, hit on the, the you know, change in, in the sugar. So there's been a survey, I'm just trying to find it as we're talking here, but um, there's, a, there's a, a, what do you call it, a pain for nothing less against the plan to half the sugar content in Scotland's fizzy drink. Manufacturers AG Bar will slash sugar from 10.3 grams per 100ml to 4.7 in January. And there's the petition, there we go, I'm going to, they've got two and a half thousand signatures in three weeks, they're about to get another one, and Scott, well, the Scottish, you know. Scottish like, claim it's a national I, treasure I, and part of culture and a hangover cure. I've got a wee, <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a soft spot for Ironwood in that they were one of the first companies where oh. I was, when I came into the technical recruitment piece, I remember standing next to Good marketing. Can- canning machine at that point that was doing it was a new facility and at that point this is going back this is me show my age here it was 75,000 can lids an hour okay and I, I know now that are over 100 
can less per hour. And you could see all the, 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 the ginger bottles, as it's known up here, coming off the building sites and going through the, the, the process for cleaning it and all that good stuff. So one of the reasons Anne Iron Brew has done so well over the years is the fact of the sugar content, because we all drink it. Yeah, and, it, and that helps with a hangover. It helps with a hangover. Do you know that in Scotland and I think Russia um, uh-huh. is the other one where it's not Pepsi or Coca Cola that's the number oh, one right? national drink well, because of that? All right, well, so let's. Okay. I'm going to get. Um, let's get our name in that petition. Yeah, okay. And another uh, piece of news sticking on the sort of food side of it: Campbell's Soup and Hershey's Snap Up Snacks Groups, which is a massive, a massive piece of news this week. So Campbell's Soups. Campbell's soup for me is the one where you add, you, you've got like condensed soup and then you add the hot water to um, to, 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 to make it more. Aye, it's, it's, it's a strange one because I didn't add you. I've not seen a tin of can, Campbell's soup. Oh, it's still years. there. Oh, definitely. Oh. It's the one with the red the red logo at the top, you know, the red top and Campbell's written all over it. Um, they do a good mushroom, if I remember that. Right. Is that right? Aye. Speaking aye. of hangovers, that used to be my, my way of settling the old belly back, um, back when I used to eat hangovers. So, so basically, Campbell Soup has bought, has agreed to buy Schneider Lance. Um, they're the company that's behind Kettle Crisps and uh, Pop Secret Popcorn. Don't know what Pop Secret Popcorn is, but I know what Kettle Crisps are. Massive. So I, didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, well, there you go. And what was it? I mean, it's 4.87 billion. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> You know? But what I was reading into this was um, it's tying in with what's happening in, the, in that industry. Um, Hershey, the American yeah. candy, is it the candy? That's candy right, yeah. Because I've seen that on Monday that we're going to buy a certain company um, which went through Aye. Amplify Snack Brands who make Tyrrell's crisps. I see, there we go, we're getting something now. They're not For me, they're not as good. Well, they're 1.6 billion they bought them for. So well, there we go. That probably a, a quarter. A quarter. Could, uh, <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> their salt and vinegar was a letdown. I remember it well. And it's standing in an airport, wanting some salt and vinegar if, action, and it was just, it wasn't can there. I, can I say this? See if Kettle, Chris and Tyrrell's is worth that amount of money. How much is a tub of Pringles worth? Pringles have got their own issues with their recycling. Do you know, and this is relevant, right? And you're looking at me going, where the heck are you going with this? We've got the new bins that have arrived for the recycling piece. Whereby a tin of Pringles has got the metal at the bottom, the paper in the middle, and the plastic top. So, from a, a recycling perspective, they, they, whether you'd want to invest in a company that's not embracing the, the modern, you know, recycling capability. But for digressing, Terry, I noticed that Kellogg um, announced six hundred million acquisition of RX Bar. Conagra Brands scooped up the parent company of Angie's Boom Chicka Pop popcorn. Wow. And Mars has invested in a parent company called of Kimber. So that, it's I mean, all it must happened. be all US stuff that actually, but actually what you can see is a global market that's actually consolidating into the bigger brands. And there's a lot of cash getting thrown at it there. And it's um, all going stateside. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Um, I think that'll cover our latest news. Today, Scott, so that's great, right? So we'll move on to our hot topic. On this episode of the Manufacturing Ignition Hot Topic, we are going to discuss, are you effectively planning all the resources within your manufacturing company? And I'm pleased to say we have a guest today, Scott. You do indeed. Yeah. Is this a big surprise? It is, it is. I would like to welcome uh, Hans Kerr. Hans is the co-founder and operation manager for a business called Katana MRP. 
Now, Katana MRP is a, it's a new cloud-based software for small manufacturers. Hans's background is all within management consulting. Uh, he's also advised a number of manufacturing companies. He's very well experienced within our sector. And actually, what he noticed was a gap in the market. In the past couple of years, um, he's been involved in a few startup businesses, which the latest of which is Katana MRP. The reason why we want to do this topic today is that actually over the past episodes, we have been discussing automation, robotics, IoT, you know, cloud-based factories being the future. Um, and we even mentioned that on our, on our latest news today. And we feel that Katana MRP, being a, being a startup business, being very forward-thinking and innovative, could potentially have a product that could benefit our manufacturing leaders who are listening in. Uh, so Hans, obviously over to you. If you can give us a wee sort of brief introduction, you know, give us an idea of how do manufacturers currently plan resources? How do you see that from your research? And then obviously what challenges you see? And then give us an idea of what Katana MRP can do for our, for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Hi, and thanks Terry and Scott for in- inviting me today. It's good to be here. Actually, you You're predicted welcome. earlier that by 2019, about 50% of manufacturers will be collaborating directly with consumers regarding product design, right? So, uh, and I strongly believe in this prediction. We already see that more and more manufacturers are actually becoming vertically integrated, also in sales. So they're cutting out the middleman and they're going straight to the customer. It's now so easy to set up your own webshop and many small manufacturers are actually just doing that. And actually, these are exactly the manufacturers that Katana MRP is meant for. Manufacturers who are vertically integrated, who sell online, build their own brand and want to be visible. So see, seeing the current market today, what are manufacturing companies using? Because obviously Katana being a new product, what's the, the current products that people are using at the moment? And what challenges, if any, that is, yeah, if yeah, any, yeah. and what challenges do you see with these systems that people are using? I'll tell you a little story how, imagine there's a girl who uh, really loves design, especially designing leather bags and accessories, for example, and she's really good at it. At first, maybe she just makes a bag for herself, then maybe a couple more to her friends, family. Then the word starts to spread. Uh, She gets more orders from friends, and she somehow needs to start keeping track of those orders, right? So what does she do? She opens up a spreadsheet, starts marking the orders down, keeping track of everything in a spreadsheet, right? Everybody seems to like what she's doing. So uh, what we talked earlier, she decides to open up a little webshop in Shopify, for example, and just to see what happens. So she does a little bit of marketing and uh, suddenly more orders start to come in. What does she do? She hires a couple of assistants, quits maybe her day job and starts doing this full time. Now he has more complicated business to manage. She creates some new spreadsheets for purchasing, for calculating the cost of making the product, for keeping track of orders and scheduling the work and so on. But if you have like one, two assistants, maybe five orders a day, that's good enough, right? So life is pretty good. But when you start to scale and things start going really, really well, then uh, yeah. usually life is not so good anymore suddenly. <laughs> so she spends maybe most of her day then shuffling through through different spreadsheets, updating them manually, trying to keep on top of operations and so on. And also maybe she feels that she might have brought too much of some raw materials, but she's running out of some other materials too often. 
uh, yeah. delivery start running late, customers are complaining, uh, so on. So it's 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 grown over her head, and uh, what's worse, she doesn't have time anymore for what she actually loves to do, which is designing bags, right? So at this point, she needs to find a solution. Well, one option could be that she would just hire a new person who would take care of the Excel spreadsheets, but that's a bit too expensive usually, and the small manufacturers are short of cash anyway because they've usually invested too much in stock. And uh, what's, what's the other, other option? Uh, she can go online and try to find a software solution uh, that would t- make things easier for her. But if you Google it and try to find something for small manufacturers, what you usually find is only really complicated, expensive desktop solutions that are not meant for small manufacturers, but rather for large factories okay. and, and enterprises, okay. right? There are a couple of cheaper options, of course. We're not alone on this market, but the user interfaces of those solutions usually look like Windows 95. And uh, actually, the next words are not my own words. They, they belong to one of our test customers who said that other products feel like databases where you can enter a lot of data, but it's difficult to get anything back, right? In short, none of the solutions that you can find actually help her do her job and, and save her time to concentrate what she loves to do. So with that in mind, you mentioned a couple of competitors that this person, so take this uh, hypothetical person who's, who's started doing business, doing very well uh, with the leather bags. So what, why would they choose, or why would they look at using Katana? What's your USP in the market? We are targeted at small manufacturers. That's one thing. We we build the software. So small, so small manufacturers, give me a sort of idea of size. Or, uh, actually, you know, small uh, in our terms doesn't mean uh, the the number of employees or the, on the, or the amount of sales or revenue you have. Okay. It's more to do with the processes you have and how complicated they are. But usually, uh, if just trying to make an estimation, we're usually uh, best fit for companies who have maybe something like five to 20 employees and, and uh, own products and, and selling online as well. So we, we seem to be a best fit for those. And okay. how, we, how, how we are different from others is, is that we, we focus on actually helping people do their job. So we have visual dashboards and visual order management, which give the user a really good overview of, of the status of all orders at any time, and also the availability of products and materials to f- fulfill those orders. Also, if you, if you compare to spreadsheets that, that the girl was using before, right? Inventory levels in spreadsheets do not update automatically, but uh, in MRP, in Katana MRP, they update automatically based on your sales, based on your manufacturing, based on your purchasing. And we also help the users keep optimal stock at all times. So you wouldn't have too much, which means that you have cash tied up in your stock and yeah. you wouldn't run out either. So, And it's all in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere, any device, anytime. So I, I, th- I think that's a great, a great thing, especially these days, you know, so I'm guessing that, you know, a, a business leader, someone that's set up the business doing very well can actually, who's very technical, advanced, can actually use it on their iPad, they can look at it on an iPhone, desktop, they'll have access to it any time that they want, would that be correct? 
Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. um, so, so everyone's so mobile today. So uh, you you need to if you're running a small business, even maybe when you're on vacation, you <laughs> you every now and then want to check yeah. what's happening. So <laughs> so so picture sitting on a sun, sun lounger in Spain with a pina colada, looking at your Katana MRP cloud software, yeah, sure. checking how, how the factory, how the leather yeah. bags are doing in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, I would, recommend, I, I, I would recommend resting during your vacation, but you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, good. So, so, so kind of going back to what the topic is. So the topic was, are you effectively planning all resources within your manufacturing company? Right. And I think kind of reiterating on that. So, you know, for listeners who might have set up their business, doesn't matter the size and turnover, but if they're still at that stage of scaling and they're working on, various spreadsheets and it's kind of grew arms and legs to put a terminology around it where actually it's taking up a lot of time it's time consuming where actually what if you're looking for a platform that you can access 24 7 anywhere in the world so if you're the leather bag designer and you're having to fly to Italy to do some research on the latest leather bags you can access how your factory is doing yeah. from the catwalk in Milan, um, <laughs> whenever that is during the year. Um, but actually, you can check that out and see how that's performing. And that's the beauty of Katana. Now, the, the, and, and, and you, you explained the USP very well. So probably flipping on its head a little bit, some of our listeners, a lot of our listeners will be in medium to large manufacturing companies with established systems in place. You know, could Katana MRP benefit these guys at all? Medium-sized manufacturers who have more advanced yeah. systems. Yeah. Is, is there any benefit of using Katana at all? Or, you yeah, know, sure. As, as, as I mentioned, it depends on the how complicated your processes are. Uh, at the moment, for example, if you have a really like different workstations which have different capacities, and uh, you have fifty employees rotate, you have specific working hours and shifts for those employees then you need like really detailed uh, manufacturing planning, which would take all this into account, right? This is not what we have at the moment. Uh, we, we, we see that actually small manufacturers don't need to plan in, in this detail. And this is actually yeah. the shortcoming of, of, of our competitors. They, they tend to overcomplicate things and not actually listen what small manufacturers need. So, uh, we, yes. our planning and our scheduling is actually done at a more higher level, which tends to be more suitable for, for small, small manufacturers who, who doesn't need all that detail. Yeah, so I guess within your, your world, it's, it's potentially well suited for a reactive business as well. Do you know that way whereby, you know, you, you, one, one week you could have an order of 10 things or the, the next week, you could, or 10 units rather, you could, you could have an order of 1,000. Yeah. And, and because of the, the nature of what your, your product does, keeping everything in check, keeping the yeah, processes yeah. in check and being able to control things without letting go or letting one part of the process fall, fall by the wayside. Yeah, um, the, the, so, main, the main thing is that Katana can save you time. You don't need to manually update stuff we we will also have integrations with web shop platforms like shopify or woocommerce for example so you can save time there as well and 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 uh, save some manual work we have we help companies scale and focus on what they love to do and what they need to do to scale now uh, being a relatively new company ourselves 
we still have a lot of new features coming. And having said earlier that we, at the moment, are not really targeting those medium-sized companies with more complicated processes, uh, I believe that uh, probably in the years to come or in months to come, we will also have, have uh, add uh, some more complicated uh, functionality that will help those medium-sized businesses as well. So, But at the same time, we need to keep it simple for the small. So there's the... <laughs> There's the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There. Indeed, get, get your ducks in order and then scale it from there. Um, I think, um, what was I going to say? So, so this dashboard, so picture uh, the leather bag manufacturer, okay? What could that person potentially see? Give me a quick overview of what that person can see from the dashboard. All right. So, let's imagine an uh, order is made on, on a web platform. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand leather bags have came through for Italy. I've got a brand new design. Everything's <laughs> business is booming. Everybody's loving leather bags. Yeah, you're not the small manufacturers. If someone orders thousand bags, but uh, okay, <laughs> so uh, uh, but okay, order comes in for a thousand bags. Let's say through Shopify, uh, this order gets automatically imported into Katana. You can see it in a sales order list or a sales order grid, as we call it, uh, which is a we use a red, green, amber uh, color code. So yeah. you can, for ex- if order comes in, you can Im- immediately see, for example, the product availability. So it will tell you if you have already this product in stock or is it maybe expected to, to come out from the manufacturing or it's not available. So you, you would need to actually start making it. And uh, talking to various manufacturers, especially small manufacturers, they are, uh, now moving towards make-to-order principles. So they don't keep high stock, but they make the product when the order comes in. So uh, in this case, it's also really important to keep track of your raw materials so that you can fulfill those orders and start producing when you need to produce to uh, to deliver the products to customers at the right time. So in Katana, you can also see whether you have all the materials needed for for producing the products that that the customers have ordered. So this is this is the product and material availability. Uh, you can also um, change the status of, of your manufacturing process. Uh, you can you can track your deliveries, your your payments, and so on. And I think one thing that is unique as well compared to our competitors is that you can actually drag and drop to change the priorities of different orders and different jobs. And based on that, the availability of production materials recalculates automatically. So if you have a really uh, high-priority customer, really royal, royal customers who, who send you an order, you can drag it to the first rank and maybe then this, this order will have a priority of, of taking the product from your stock and you can push uh, some other orders down a bit. But, uh, okay. So it's, 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 it's actually all about flexibility which uh, small manufacturers need and and, yeah. and all the changes that happen on day-to-day basis and, and hourly even. So, uh, you need to somehow okay. manage that conveniently. And then, and then one final thing that's kind of in my head. So we're talking about leather bags as a product, right? And actually selling them on Shopify or, or, a, or a, you know some sort of website where actually you sell a lot of products. 
you know, I'm guessing, you know, the platform will handle any type of manufacturing process from metal manufacturing, metal finishing to food to, you know, plastics, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. A product's a product. However, does is this heavily weighted on manufacturers who sell mainly online through the, through a website or can it be used for manufacturers that might sell into bigger bigger businesses like customers, bigger customers? Like, for example, you know, a company that makes the specific uh, parts for Rolls Royce for their engines, they don't they wouldn't sell those parts on a website to a consumer or a you know business side things. They've got agreements with customers. Would that be uh, useful for these type of businesses or is it mainly for businesses that are operating online through a website? Uh, yeah, sure. It, it can definitely benefit those companies as well. It's just a matter of how you insert your sales orders into the platform. If, you, if you're selling online, you can do it automatically, sync automatically. If you receive your orders through mail, for example, email, for example, you can then just create those sales orders manually in, in Katana MRP, which, which you can do. So uh, also, if you're selling multi-channel, uh, as many manufacturers are, maybe they have their own webshop, they have a little retail like outlet as well somewhere, and maybe they have some others coming through phone as well. So you can all combine all those on one platform and manage everything in one place by automatically getting orders from Shopify to Katana and manually entering the other orders. But they will all appear in the same list. You can change the priorities and manage the product and material availability for all those orders on, yes. on, on, on the same dashboard. Yeah, no, perfect. Okay. And um, right, so can I ask you one final question? Yeah, sure. Where did the name Katana come from? <laughs> so, um, as I said, many small manufacturers are, are now leaning towards make-to-order uh, and, and sort of just-in-time and lean manufacturing uh, is, is trending. And where does lean manufacturing come from? It comes from Japan. And Katana actually is a Japanese sword. And but it, it also refers to cutting-edge manufacturing, which we try to bring to small manufacturers as well. So it's a sort of a bow to, to Japanese lean manufacturing. And at the yeah, same okay. time, yeah, it's it's also a cutting edge. I like it. I like it. I like it even more. Like <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so you're, Hans, you were mentioning um, if people are looking to have a test run of this software, you know, what, you know, what could you offer? Yeah, um, we actually currently free of charge, free of charge for everyone so last time to sign up <laughs> we so how, how, how long so so how long is the so it's a so it's free of charge currently if you want to trial it out you can test out the yeah. product if you like if you like it when's the sort of deadline when are you moving to a sort of paid platform uh paid first paid plan will be available in in january or end of january next year okay, so okay. you still have about one and a half months to to enjoy the free version then Good. all and the free users will be converted to the paid plan, and uh, but there will also be a thirty-day trial. So first yeah, time okay. we would need to pay is actually end of February, March pretty much. Yeah, end of March. Right. Okay. I'm guessing obviously you would look after people have supported you from from the start. You know, you, they'd be you know they would be looked after as well on that basis. Um, and that's good. The fact is, these people are going to have a free trial, guys. Um, you know, t- kind of summarising. All of that, you know, if you're a small or medium-sized, growing forward-thinking, forward-thinking manufacturing company, and you you embrace technology, 
you also sell products that can be online or not, and you're looking for a cloud-based business platform dashboard, which you can access anywhere in any device, and you can see how your business is operating. Even if you're at the Milan uh, fashion show checking out the latest bags, you can check it in. Then please do get in touch with Hans and have a discussion on the Katana MRP software. Um, you can contact Hans at info at Katana, so that's K-A-T-A-N-A MRP.com or visit the website, which is www.katanamrp.com. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hans. Really do appreciate that. And uh, why don't we catch up in May, maybe three months' time and see how business is going and get an update and we'll get you back in the podcast? Yeah, sure. That would be great. Best of luck and have a good festive period when it comes. Uh, you too. Cheers. Cheers, Hans. Well, it was great to have Hans on the show. It was nice to have our first guest, actually, for our hot topic. Indeed, Mr. Katana, that was that was quite insightful. Quite, quite a clever idea he's got there and found a niche there. I guess the, the big boys have, have maybe missed out there. So. Yeah, and I, I like it. You know I love technology, Scott, and I like the fact is that you can access that platform anywhere in the world at any time, 24-7. And, and we know everybody's busy, you know, everybody's busy bees these days you know and we're doing more things and time's more precious you know and, and a lot of the guys will be looking to access the sort of information quite late at night when it's downtime when it's quiet and you mm-hmm. can actually concentrate so you know it's nice to be able to have that sort of access yeah. as well it was um, just it was just a wee bit more concerning that your eyes kept on lighting up every time you said the word leather i don't know why why that was uh, terry but i don't know i don't know i hear scott anyway we won't be going to milan moving on to the recruitment minute On this week's episode of the Manufacturing Ignition Recruitment Advice, we're going to discuss how do you make the top 15% of people an offer they can't refuse? And this is following on from the couple of episodes before, where what we've actually spoke about is how do you engage the top 15% of people in your marketplace? How do you then convince or attract these people to come for an interview? And now we're looking at actually making that person an offer. So if you've not listened back, listen back to the podcast, the Recruitment Advice Podcast, episode seven, eight, and maybe six, but we'll go seven and eight. Kicking off, I think it's before actually making an offer, there's a lot of things to actually consider as a manufacturing leader within your business. And before making your offer, what you want to make sure is that you've covered every aspect of the role and the requirements that you're looking for for that particular person with the candidate whilst they've been meeting you face-to-face at an interview or getting a factory tour, you want to make sure that people are fully aware of what's expected from them. You know, the last thing you want is someone to come in with 75% of an idea of what's expected. And then when, once you're pushing the challenges that are there on the top 100, they decide it's not, you know, it's not the right move for them and decide to leave the company after a couple of months. So get everything up front, out in the open before we're even making an offer. Another thing before we get there is... Make sure that you've you've probed the candidate for any questions that they might have. You know, you don't want to have any possible objections. You know, ask them face to face. You know, if if you know we were considering making an offer, would your current offer, uh, your current company, counter offer? You know, there's no problem asking that question. It's just having a conversation, and hopefully, you know, at that stage, there's enough of a rapport being a rapport being built with the relationship at interview. And I think I think you want to. But tying in with that, Terry, I think specific on that point of the, the counter offer, whereby the, the reason that the candidate is sitting with 
the, the potential new employer is because there's a reason, whether it's from a career aspirational perspective or a frustration with a current employer, that actually that, that counter offer, and, and it's the old, what, what's the old recruitment statistic that um, the, the candidate that's bought back, you know, 80% of them are back in the market within six months. Yeah, exactly, um, because, the, because the, the core objection is still the same. The core problem that they had, it's what, not all to do with money. What, we, what I've certainly found, certainly in recent years, is very much that, look, at the end of the day, as long as the, the candidate and the client has had a good, honest, open conversation at some point, when appropriate, then both parties are joining the business with the, the, the same intention, with the same objectives. Um, and, and typically, um, certainly in my experience, everyone's happy and, and does a good job by doing that, that. That's half the battle. I think sometimes there can be too much emphasis on the, the softer or the, the real reasons for looking. That, that companies, because of their rigid recruitment process and because of their rigid, rigid strategies, which in fairness are actually very good, but do miss can miss out on actually the from the candidate side, which which makes our job pr- can be pretty difficult. So yeah, and, and 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 I'm all about you know it's all about having upfront conversations. I always um you know an advocate of that, and there, uh, there's no reason why you couldn't ask the person as well just to make sure they're genuinely interested. Have they had anything else in the go at the same time? You know, if they're in any interview process now, remember how we've got to this situation. So you've approached this person directly. This is what we do uh, every day. We approach people directly, right? So a lot of the time, they're not actually actively looking. They're not interviewing anybody else, which puts a, you know the, the business in a, in a good position where if they're looking to make an offer, there's nothing else in the go. But don't take that for granted. Make sure you're asking, because as soon as the cog turns in somebody's head, that actually, do you want to know what? I've been in a different manufacturing company. I, c- I actually could go with making a move now. Then actually opportunities start to arise, especially if you're good at what you do. Or some, you know, and you know, other companies will start to cotton on, and then that person might actually be with be in two or three different processes within a week or two. You know, it can happen really quickly. So don't. No, you 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 you're spot on, Teddy. Because actually, one of the questions I always ask my my candidate when we're getting feedback um, a few days after the event, you know, how they're feeling about things, and typically the best time to get that feedback is within the first day of them being back in their existing employer having met with an alternative employer because we'll see how it is and, and they'll appreciate that actually the real reason that they're looking, whatever that is, is actually, you know, that they're, they're keen to move on and, and you're right that they, they will then start ramping up and maybe being a bit more proactive themselves to, to, to see what's out there. So, and, and, and if you're doing all that, do all this before you make the offer. There's no point making the offer to find out they've got another two offers on the table somewhere else or the fact is their company's going to counter offer and they're going to offer and it double what you're often as a as a rise so you know make, make sure all that's on let's get to the point of actually making the offer so remember what you've got to remember is that you as a business leader or a business has approached them first they might not have been looking so you need to treat that as well because they might actually have been happy in their role what they might be looking for is something different as scott was mentioning you know and that isn't always to do with money with career-driven individuals it's more to do with actually what the opportunities are within a new business for them to progress their careers, what, how much investment within their, you know, It could be absolutely anything. It could be education, it could be shares within a certain business yeah. or equity. Um, there's a lot of stuff. a good point in the basis of, you know, 
if you're a small manufacturer that's got a lot of potential in growing and do you want know what you could offer somebody with a hell of a lot of experience from a bigger business or you know, somebody with, with a great deal of experience that can benefit your business, you know, share options and equity is always a good option. Obviously, you as a business leader or a senior manager within manufacturing, you've obviously been very successful in your career as well. You've probably been in this candidate's shoes where you've been career-driven and you know you, you know the frame of mind that you've all been you know, so just bear that in mind that put yourself in a candidate's shoes and actually think, well, if I was actually making myself this offer at that stage, would I accept? And then question that. And if, if it's a yes, great. If it's a no, why is it a no? Um, and then look at that, okay? Yeah, and I think it's, it's exactly the case where, especially at the, when you're building a senior management team or where you're, you're trying to attract someone to add value directly to your, you know, the bottom line of your business to have an impact on your business, it's making sure that you, you understand and this is part of our job as well, I guess, is to make sure that, that you know, and, and that this is you know, very upfront here, that we need to fully understand the reason behind the hire. Because if we fully understand the reason behind the hire, we can make sure that the candidate that's sitting in front of the client that's eventually getting the offer is the right person that will bring that um, significant value to the business for the long term. And I think by not, if the, is, I'm aware of a few examples where, you know, companies sometimes want to, we want to see what the market's doing. We want to see, you know, what's out there and, and see what's there. But actually, if you actually know what you're looking for, it's actually going to help you hire the right person and, and, and attract a, a arguably a better caliber of candidate because they're joining your business because they know what they want to do and they know what they want to achieve. And likewise, it's tying in with what the organization's trying to achieve as well. Yeah, and it's not all... Uh... It's not all painted positive and whatever else. You know, make sure you're you're upfront with the negatives of the business and the challenges that the business might face and the, the challenges of this role. You know, um, you know, and be quite clear on it because when you're meeting somebody face to face, you can see in the whites of their eyes what their thoughts are and what their reaction is when you tell them the true picture. And if somebody actually embraces that and actually finds you want to what, bring it on. Yeah. You've got your, you know. It's, it's amazing. We recently ran a, a couple of campaigns actually that's highlighted that seeing a business arguably with, you know, that's maybe on from a financial perspective or financial footing, some candidates can look at that in a negative, um, but others look at that as an opportunity. And it's amazing to see that, you know, what, what you know, and this is the beauty of our job whereby everyone's different about when they look at a given role. And, and there again, that ties in with the right candidate for that particular company because the person that's looking at the company going, do you know what, your numbers are maybe not where I want them to be, so you're not the right company for me. That probably ties in that they're probably not the right person for that company as well. 100%, 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the fact is, you know, courses for courses, end of the day, it's ma- making sure the long story short is to get the, the right person in for your company that's going to drive that to whatever the strategy is, whatever the growth is, etc. So you're actually looking to make the offer itself um, and you're making the offer now. Just remember, it's not all about money. Um, with career-driven individuals, there's a lot more behind it, as we touched on. You know, you have to look at the overall package. People successful will look at future, i.e. pensions and the detailed benefits that you get for that. Is it family health care? Is it individual health care? You know, what's the sort of recognition for them doing a top job? You know, is there a bonus on that? Is there a long-term incentive? Uh, as well for being within the company. You could set something over five years where actually if, they, if this person, say it's a salesperson, they bring in X amount of revenue over those five years, 
then they actually be due a certain percentage of a of a chunky bonus at the end of it, um, depending on that specific value. That encourages uh, long-term retention as well as that person feeling rewarded for the growth of that business. So, 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 so that's all to be, to be taken into consideration. And just, just in that point, Terry, I think there's a, a perception that, you know, we, we all people, you know, the, the obvious one that comes up a lot now, especially because of the cost of it, is medical care. Now, you can have the individual that has, you know, the, the, the single membership medical care, okay? You can also have the family plan, and I think you can actually, you know, there, there's various shapes and guises of that. But actually, if you're a single gentleman or a single lady who has no family and, and so on, you know, having a whole family scheme but actually getting coming out of a the hospital um, is of no, you know, of no relevance for that person. But maybe they would rather have, you know, a bigger engine in their car. Maybe they would rather have a pink car. You know, it's, I think that the point here is actually having flexibility, an element of flexibility, yeah. because everyone is different. And what we're seeing now is that companies that that are rigid without an element of flexibility, and I do appreciate there is consequences to other members within the organisation, which does need, to, which is important and needs to be taken account of. But actually, um, being able to, you know, making sure that the the right person is in the company for the right reasons and will stay long term because yeah. they're happy in their job. And you're back to the long term side of things. You know, you got to make sure that when you're when you're thinking of this person, you're thinking about making an offer. You know, I question yourself: Is there enough career progression opportunities within our company, or is there enough challenge to keep this person engaged within the business for the longer term? Well. And, and we're saying longer term, but actually you could have an agreement with, you know, a client is trying to, there's an element of change that, that they've got a period of growth that they need to implement and that they hire in a key operations manager to, to make sure that happens. You know, that, that although that's permanent, that can be, you know, for an 18-month period, it can be for a three-year period. It doesn't, you know, that, at the end of the day, as long as both parties understand what the objectives are, then both will, you know, both will excel and both will do well for the, for the longer term. 100%. So, covering, so kind of covering all that off, make sure that you cover all bases. Put yourself in a candidate's shoes. Would you accept a role? If you say yes to that, top job, let's get the offer made. However, if you're questioning any of that, think about it. Sit back. Think about what you would be looking for. Put yourself in the candidate's shoes and actually make a decision. Would it be the right move or not to make this person an offer? If you have any questions at all for myself or Scott and any recruitment advice, just drop us an email uh, or, a, or a phone call. So, you know, visit www.bonfirerecruitment.com or email terry at bonfirerecruitment.com or scott at bonfirerecruitment.com. So that brings us to the end of the, the last podcast we'll do in 2017, Scott. Wow. What what a year, eh, Terry? How many, many podcasts is that we've done now? Is that double figures? Are we pushing Ooh, double figures? Is that a nine? Close, close. It's, a, it's a nine. Is that a nine? Nine. We'll make double figures as of January the 4th. 10th of the number 10, 2018. Um, wow. Feedback from, from individuals is mainly positive. A couple of, couple of room for improvements in there. So we're, yeah, we're learning so from that. And I think uh, uh, for people to keep giving us this feedback. See, see, see the thing is, right? I've been blown away with the amount of people that we get watching the show and following as well. You know, our iTunes for our iTunes is the most prominent and what you you know what we've got is a lot of people listening and engagement's increasing week in, week out. 
and I think you know even having hands on the show this yeah, week, I enjoyed I that. That was good. Get, getting getting others other than our dulcet tones in the, 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 the on the radio Speak on the podcast. Well, I'm sure Terry will get bored of your voice equally as much as mine. So I think getting others involved, I think, is, is crucial. So if you are a business that thinks that would tie in with, with what our objectives are within manufacturing, then absolutely keen to keen to work with you. Okay. And there's no podcast next week. I know I can feel your heart dropping there. However, yeah, we will be returning on uh, Wednesday, the 3rd of January. So 2018. 2018. So we'd like to wish all our listeners and uh, all our clients and candidates who we worked closely with over the last couple of years, I'd like to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. And have a happy new year. Season's greetings, everybody. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.